guys? How's lunch good? Awesome. So, uh, since lunch was good, you'll get tired, so we'll try to be strong uh, and try to be exciting as well. So, more, uh, a lot more interactive this afternoon. Uh, we're going to look at uh, the Great Commission, a famous piece of scripture. So, Matthew uh, chapter 28, uh, verse 16 is what we're going to look at uh basically for the rest of the time this afternoon. Uh, one of the big questions that comes up is, yeah, everything I said this morning is beautiful, it's true, um, and some of you might have even heard that quite a bit. You've grown up hearing that, or uh, you're yeah, part of a, a church now where that's getting preached a lot about the gospel, and it's not about what you do, it's about what Christ has done for you. Um, that's how we're saved. Like, you... You have a concept for sin, and one of my biggest uh, passions, though, is helping people connect that reality uh, to their everyday life, so that we wouldn't just be people that hear and, and know this stuff, but that we would actually live it out. A very common uh, way that we describe that is, how do we live the, live the gospel uh, our whole existence? So not just on Sundays, or not just when we're opening the scriptures, but how do we live the entire reality of the gospel in, in our whole lives. Um, yeah, so that's what we're going to try to do for the next hour, I guess. So Matthew 28, Jesus has risen from the dead. He's uh, accomplished all of this victory over the domain of darkness. He gathers his disciples up, uh, and, uh, and this is what he says to them. He says, uh, in verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubting. And Jesus came and he said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe or obey all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Surely you've heard that passage many, many times before. It's what we read to send people out overseas. It's what we re read even to understand that, uh, that that concept of becoming fishers of men means that we are disciples. We've patterned our lives. We begin to follow Jesus. And our, and our purpose is to help other people follow Jesus as well, to go and to make disciples, uh, people who are submitting increasingly, day by day, more and more of their life to the authority of Jesus, uh, to his, yeah, his authority on heaven and earth, which is what that means, that everything below your feet, everything above your feet belongs to him. It's his. Like it's, uh, he's not borrowing it when you uh, give some money to the church. God's not borrowing your money. It was his money already. Uh, he's not borrowing your time when you hang out with people and community. That was all his time anyway. Uh, that's what that means. He has all authority. Whatever he says to do, we, we do. Uh, kind of like that illustration before lunch about we have a new commanding officer. It's not just that we don't lift, listen to the, to the drill sergeant anymore. We don't submit to Satan, but we're actually servants to Jesus and his kingdom. And so we do, do what he says. He's told us to go and make disciples of all peoples, all types of peoples. He's told us to baptize them, to name them, uh, root their identity in who God is, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And then he says, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. Teaching them to obey. I obviously like to talk and teach. I wish it was teach them to know all that I've commanded you. That would be, man, as a pastor, even as a person making disciples, wouldn't that be great just to teach them so that they would know what Jesus commanded? But he actually says teaching them to obey. The, the real impetus there is that we would know and live, not just know. Uh, and, and so, I'm the kind of person that reads that and then says, okay then, what 
has he commanded them? Uh, I'm not, it's like, okay, cool. Kind of like, uh, yeah, I like rules. I like to follow them. I like to help other people follow them. I I like to know the rules well enough to where I can break them and feel like at liberty. Like in America, you can speed as long as you don't speed too much. Like you can drive too fast. Uh, And there's a range. And so I like knowing the rule, knowing what's commanded. And so, I don't know, do you know what the commands of Jesus are? Because that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to teach people to obey them. So, yeah, I'm always surprised that we don't kind of start there a lot of times. Like, what's our discipleship program? Usually it begins with, uh, how do we help people feel comfortable? Or how do we uh, encourage connectedness? Or how do we help people do good works? But we don't ask the question, well, what has Jesus said to do? And then how do we help people obey that? Uh, There are three uh, big commands that Jesus gives in the scriptures. And this is a test. So what do you think they are? Oh, sweet. All right. So we've got, oh, man. Love God. Uh... And love neighbor, right? It's, it's interesting. Clearly, the people in the first century in Israel were really concerned about what to do. I, th- I think that's really fascinating. They, it, Jesus arrives at this time where the people are saying, what are we supposed to do? What's the best commandment? Uh, on several different occasions, uh, Jesus gets asked, what's the best commandment? And he says, uh, hero Israel. The Lord your God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength. And then love your neighbor as yourself. Right? Those are two of the... And, and Jesus is just uh, copying Moses. I mean, it's one that has authority and all of that stuff, but nothing new there. Um, yeah. What's, there's one more. Let's not be holy. Huh? No? 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 It's got this language. He says, there's a new commandment that I give to you that you love one another. Nailed it. Yeah. This is me just looking at his answer, or his use of the word command. Those are the three that he gives. Everything else that he calls us to do really kind of fits under these three really big categories. Uh, What does it it mean to love God? How does someone grow in their love for God? What do you guys think? To pray? Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah. So we pray. To, to love God is to go to him and, and talk, uh, to receive, to listen to his voice. <laughs> Someone always does that. It's really clever. Yeah, it's not always perfect. Yeah, we should do the other things. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we acknowledge him. Now we, we worship him with our words in spirit and in truth. What else? Yeah. We, we uh, read the word. Yeah, and we, we apply our minds to that even, right? We're supposed to love God with your heart, mind, soul, strength. You set your mind, as Paul says, to on the things of God for the renewing of your mind, right? Yeah. What else? Yeah, we're, we're faithful. Yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah, we gather with others. 
Yeah, we, we practice uh, repentance. We, we love God by coming to him and saying, no more am I doing that other stuff. No more am I putting my trust in those things. Yeah. What else? Yeah. We submit to him. We say all of our stuff, everything we have is yours. You tell us what to do. Yeah. With our whole strength, our whole body, all of our time, all of our energy, uh, all of our finances, our personalities, every gift that we have, we, we give that to God in worship. Yeah. Just a few more. I'm going to just round it out for us. We, uh, we confess. We confess sin, and we also confess truths about God. Uh, it's what's the, the Psalms. I'm a, I'm a Psalms junkie, if you will. Uh, I think we all should be. That's just my little pitch there. Um, the Psalms are quite amazing because David says, this is how I feel right now. When are you going to start listening to me? When are you going to start doing something with all these wicked, evil people? Uh, or he starts with, I've sinned against you, and since God, I've been weeping all night. Like I've trespassed against you. And then there's this turn where he shifts and he says, but I will worship you for all the days of my life. Right? That's like a, a shift, a common pattern in the Psalms. Uh, Psalms of confession. He's saying, this is what's true about me. This is what's true about who God actually is. That's a core part of loving God. Um, and uh, for the, the sake of uh, kind of some time, uh, one of the ways I like to think about this whole reality, uh, especially after Christ, is gospel enjoyment. Oh, that's wrong. I should learn how to spell uh, I think that's right. Uh, gospel enjoyment. Uh, that since we are redeemed and saved and united with Christ, we walk into the holiest places, into his presence, and we delight in him. We live a life of gospel delight and enjoyment. Uh, this is what we're all called to do. These are the commands. When Jesus says, teach them to obey, we're called to teach people to obey uh, the commands. Uh, the command to love God. Uh, to be our, devoted to God. Um, this, this idea of we're going to latch our whole selves on to Him and say whatever it is that He calls us to, we're going to walk in those things. We're also going to experience a spiritual renewal and we're going to see ourselves being completely transformed in our affections and our desires. We'll see idols put down, but then we'll see our love for Jesus grow. We'll become uh, passionate uh, for him and his things, right? That's, uh, that's gospel enjoyment. These are all normal things that the church says that we're supposed to do, right? Is any of that like, bizarre or crazy to you? Yeah. It's pretty normal. Uh, and then he's, uh, he says that we love one another. Uh, that's the, the new command that he gives. He uh, gathers his disciples around. It's a really uh, powerful moment. It's what I wish every community meal was like. There's feet washing. There's uh, disputes that get resolved. Uh, Jesus tells parable or kind of a, the story, this teaching about a vine and the vine dresser. It's really a great time. And then Jesus prays for the disciples for like uh, 600 words. Like it's a big, big prayer that's eloquent and powerful and you could spend your entire life studying it and still not quite understand the intimacy that God has with the Father and his desire and his passion for the disciples. But in the middle of it, he says, oh, there's actually one new commandment that I have for you. Uh, that you love one another. He says, the world, the way the world's going to know that you're my disciple is by your love for one another. Yeah, which essentially means that anywhere in the world, the way that the people outside of the church are going to know that you're a Christian 
and know that you're a disciple of Jesus, that you're walking in the way of Jesus, will be by how you treat other disciples. It's kind of, uh, to me, it's counterintuitive. I would have thought, people, the way people will know you're my disciples is because you'll tell them. That, that makes sense. Or the way people will know that you're my disciples is uh, you'll do really good stuff for those people. But he actually says, no, the way that the world's going to know that you love me and that you follow me is by the way that you treat one another. Uh, he goes on to say there's no greater love than this, than one who lays down his life for his friend. All connected to uh, love one another. Kind of defining it, that it's not just being good mates or whatever. Uh, contextualized language there. Uh, yeah, but that we would lay down and give ourselves up for our fellow disciples. Yeah. What are, uh, and this for uh, the whole rest of the New Testament becomes this uh, kind of massive, like really big heading for uh, the way of Jesus. So love one another. And then there's all these sub things that Paul and Peter uh, and John add to or sort of explain. This is what we mean by love one another. Now, all the one another's of the New Testament kind of fit underneath this big command. Do you know what? Let's, uh, let's play the game again of, of Bible knowledge. Uh, what are some of the one another's of the New Testament? Encourage, yeah. Yeah, encourage or exhort, right? What else? Yeah, you're supposed to bear one another's burdens. Yeah. That's a great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, don't devour. There's a few negative ones, yeah. Don't gossip with one another or slander, right? Yeah, what else? Yeah, spur each other on. Right. Serve one another. Yeah, give to one another. Man, you guys filled that out so fast. So good. Uh, yeah, and, and, and each of the, even bear one another. Uh, and rejoice. Rejoice, yeah. There's a, uh, bear one another actually comes up twice. And once the context uh, is bearing with one another's sins. So uh, the, the, that we're, we're carrying uh, the sins and we come alongside one another and we bear those sins towards the cross. That, that even as your brother or your sister uh, is struggling uh, with sin, uh, you guys are going through Romans, right? So yeah, Romans 7, you guys have got that all figured out. Uh, that reality of I, I do what I don't want to do and I don't do what I want to do, and that we bear that burden together towards Jesus. The other uh, sense of the bearing one another is bearing with one another the suffering that we have, uh, the sickness, the, the despair, and we come alongside and we, we walk that way together. Your burden is my burden, and my burden becomes your burden. Yeah, or as Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, uh, you can't become a brother to someone until you become a burden to them. There's no Christian community apart from uh, being someone who needs the community and being someone who cares in the community. Yeah. Um, the, I love the ones about don't devour and don't gossip and don't slander. This, this reality of to, to love another person is to see their, their greatest good and to see them as the righteousness of God who've been made whole and justified and saved and fight for their faith and their ongoing sanctification. 
Um, it becomes pretty clear to me, at least, when I look at this, is that we take uh, ownership of our fellow disciples growing up into Christ. Uh, Paul describes in Ephesians 4 that we speak uh, the truth and love to one another, all in this context of, hey, don't do these things, don't do these things, right? In Ephesians also chapter 4. Yeah. So this is what we're called to do. Jesus, that's a command to follow, to die, to sacrifice, to know them, to, to share life with them. Um, one of the sort of striking things about the New Testament, even the epistles, is that for them to make sense at all, uh, for what Paul's saying to make sense, these people had to have been living with one another in such a way that they knew each other and knew what was going on. Even the, the really weird story about uh, the guy sleeping with his stepmom, weird story, it's always fun to bring up. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's my favorite of like, well, our church isn't that messed up, there's Corinth. Uh, they've, they had their issues, so we're good. And, and the, the stuff about the meat and who should eat it and all of that stuff, right? It's that, for that to be an occasion for Paul to write it, these people had to have been spending the kind of time together where they knew each other, knew what was going on, had conflicts, even for the command to be reconciled to one another. No one has to be reconciled to one another who just sits in the same space for an hour and a half once a week. Like, that's no reconciliation required for that. Like, we can almost all do that. Um, but to be in relationship with one another, to know each other's stories, to know each other's sins, to even bear each other's sins or burdens, and to, to confess to one another, and all of those things, we would have to know one another and even view each other as family. There's a really good book called, uh, by Joseph Hellerman. Uh, he's a professor at uh, Biola or Talbot Seminary in Los Angeles. He wrote a book called When the Church Was Family. And he really dives into uh, the first century cultural context of family relationships and then the church. Um, in the first century, to a brother was someone that, or a sister, someone in your family, you were obligated to them. Everything that you had was an obligate, like, or what they had or what they struggled with, uh, you were obligated to help them, obligated to receive them, obligated to host them. It was just the way it was. What's, what happens in the New Testament is they say, we've been formed into the family of God with the God our Father having adopted all of us into this glorious family. And now to each of us, we're brothers and sisters. We're obligated to one another in that way. Pretty remarkable across racial lines, gender lines, linguistic lines. We are in it together. Pretty, pretty amazing, right? Uh, so everyone who wants to grow up in the Great Commission or help make disciples needs to teach people to love one another. Yeah, just let that burden kind of sink in. Um, this is a, a weird command as well because it requires even this one another. It requires another person. It's not just love disciples, love the other disciples, but love and receive love from the disciples. Uh, it's one thing to be in relationship with someone, or relationship, in quotes, where you're the giver. We're kind of comfortable with that. Um, you know, we, we provide you with food. We, we give. Uh, or it's fun to, to be the person that's like, well, I, I pursue them, and I share with them, and I help them work out their problems, and uh, I, I can kind of come alongside and mentor them and shape them, and I can come and I can teach them things about stuff. But one another means both a giving and a receiving, a dependence on one another. Uh, in Acts 2, uh, this, the, you know, the perfect picture of Christian community, uh, Peter gives a great sermon. All these people repent and believe. They're cut to the heart. They baptize thousands of people. 
then it describes this amazing church where they're devoted to the apostles' teaching, the breaking of bread, the worship in the temple. And then he describes these people that were together sharing life house to house, meal to meal, and numbers were added to them daily. They were in it together. It's kind of, yeah. Even the, the first real strange story in the book of Acts is about people lying about their giving towards one another and then being struck down to death. Also, yeah, so so far I've brought up the, the son-stepmom situation. Uh, meat sacrificed to idols and now, uh, yeah, people being struck down for false generosity. Anyway, just so we can all keep tabs on weird things I brought up from the Bible. There's a great podcast on that. Uh, so we're all called to do this. Uh, we kind of use the kind of the common uh, vernacular in our culture and we call that community, like Christian community. Um, that's what it looks like. And every everybody needs to be taught and discipled in loving one another, both giving and receiving, that kind of thing. Yeah? Last one. Love your neighbor. When Jesus says and recites the command that we're supposed to love your neighbor as yourself, awesome question asker says, well then, who is my neighbor? I'm thankful for that question. That would have been me. And I think he was hoping for some sort of geographic boundary, maybe, or some ethnic boundary. But Jesus, classic Jesus, tells the story of the Good Samaritan about this guy who's walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Or he's just, you know, between towns. Wherever it's famous, famously known as this place where you're going to get beat up, bruised, taken advantage of. You better be careful if you're going to go over there. Uh, I actually haven't seen any place like that in Melbourne yet, so I've only gone to the really nice places. But uh, you can take me. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, you're, yeah, it sounds like you serve people uh, that have been, been through that. And it's a story about this guy who's just trying to get from point A to point B. Sure enough, gets beat up, bruised, left for dead, kind of like Valentino Ashak Deng that we talked about this morning. He's laying there on the side of the road, Several people pass by him, religious leaders even, people in their garbs, people with important places to go. They all kind of look the other way. And then the Samaritan comes, and Jesus uses the words, saw him, moved to him, picked him up, cared for his, mended his wounds, took him to the place that he was trying to get to, paid for him to stay in this hotel, told the innkeeper whatever debt he accrues, I'm going to pay. And then Jesus says, who's the neighbor? And then they all are forced to answer, well, the Samaritan is the neighbor. The one who went outside of even religious, economic, ethnic backgrounds and went to and holistically cared for this other guy. All the way to paying for his debt. That's how Jesus says we're supposed to love our neighbors. That's another good one to sort of just let hang over you is the command of Jesus. Um, yeah, we describe this as, as, as the mission, or the mission of God. Uh, we're now blessed. We've received every spiritual blessing, Paul says in Ephesians 1, uh, really very clearly slapping on us the calling that Abraham had to be a blessing to the world. Now we've been blessed to go out into the world and make disciples love our neighbors. That's the mission. I'll give underlines. Now it's more emphatic. Uh, there's underlines up there. Yeah, love our neighbors. And even looking at what we looked at this morning in Mark uh, chapter 1, and looking, remembering that story of the Good Samaritan, what are the things that we're called to do uh, on the mission of God, to love our neighbors as ourselves? Just share the lights 
Sorry? Yeah. Like, yeah, bring people to Jesus. Fishers of men, uh, even the guys who carry their paralyzed friend to Jesus. Yeah. Sir? Yeah. Sir? Oh, it's me. I think every time I step on that, it makes a pop. Yeah, we're supposed to serve people. Yeah, what else? Listen. Yeah, listen. Oh, such a good one. Yeah. Even you see that in the life of Jesus. He's walking between towns, and someone comes up to him and says, if you will, can you make me clean? He, he hears this person. He's also really attuned to all the kind of debates and things that are happening around him. Right? He's like, ah, I hear you guys quarreling about if I can forgive this guy's sins. Yeah, he was really listening to them. What else? Pray. Huh? Pray. Pray, yeah. How powerful. What else? Can everyone see? Yeah. Yeah. You can. <laughs> yeah, I wish I had a smart board, I'd do like coffee paste, yeah. When Jesus sends out his disciples uh, for the very first time, they, he pairs them up uh, like Mormons. Uh, uh, they stole that from Jesus. Uh, he pairs them up and he sends them out and he says, don't take anything. Be dependent on their hospitality. Yeah. We have to be hosted and host, right? Anything else as you think about those? I'm trying to Yeah, yeah, it's, and, it, and that, you see that even in the Jesus came into Galilee as, as a man. Yeah. yeah, that sort of incarnational ministry. Yeah, Paul does the same thing. He, he doesn't show up and say, hey, everyone gather around. Let's learn some ancient Canaanite language. He talks to them in Greek and uses their own rhetoric. Yeah. Uh, I think it's great. Yeah. We have uh, ancient Greek philosophers are quoted in our Bible because... Jesus, or Paul used them. Yeah, so we, uh, I think I might just say we embody. Yeah. We begin to care about, uh, you know, the problems of, of those who are around. Yeah. What else? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, with the, the, the leper, Jesus is, has compassion whenever he hears where they're at. Yeah. Same with the, the Good Samaritan. Yeah. Any others you guys want to throw out there? We've got bring, we've got serve, bringing to Jesus. We listen, we pray, we eat, we speak, we share our lives, we embody, we have compassion. Is that a good list? It's a pretty good list. I'm always, always, I'm always up for new, strange things that people say that I've never thought of before. But this is a great list. Uh, especially uh, all of them, I was going to say. It's not fair to say especially some. And so this is, this is the mission we've been given. Uh, sometimes there's a big tension between, uh, and we want to kind of split these up and say, which ones are the bringing to Jesus parts, and which are the, the doing and serving and caring parts? And those are two different things. 
Uh, let's, let's slice it down the middle that you can, you can do justice and love mercy, and then you can bring people to walk humbly with their God. And those are two different missions or purposes, and often the church is kind of split on that spectrum. I think Jesus would have come and seen that spectrum and been appalled. Like, I think if, we walk, if he was walking through town and we went up to him and said, which is more important, telling people about you or doing justice? He would have said, how is that different? Like, how, where, where do you see the line there? Um, there's no greater love for someone than to tell them the truth about Jesus. Like, even a very famous atheist will tell you, like, hey, if you really believe that if I don't believe in God, I die and go to hell, then you better tell me that. Like, that's the, the proper response, right? That's even what Nietzsche says, you know? Like, if this is what you believe, then you better go for it and you better tell people about God. But there's also, like, how do we tell people the God without redeeming culture simultaneously? Because I, I just see Jesus doing that over and over again. And then even telling his disciples to do the same thing. And then I see the apostles in the book of Acts doing the same thing. Of holding hand in hand the reality of to proclaim good news is to uh, tell people about Jesus and the saving power of the gospel and tell them about the power of the gospel to make all things new. Yeah, I think it's like both. That's my, that's my pitch. You can disagree. Often people do. Uh, but these are the big commands. This is uh, in a nice triple Venn diagram. Uh, this is what we're called to do. This is what, also, this is what missional communities do. So a missional community does all three of those. Um, we often, uh, so I'll put a little MC here. We call this faithful presence. This is how we're faithful in the world, is by doing all three of those together. You might have heard missional communities are really messy. This is how they're messy. They're not messy because, you know, people are terrible and suffering happens and all of that. Uh, it's messy because we're trying to grow in the same direction with the same group of people. We're trying to uh, grow in our love for God through reading the word and growing up in prayer and confession, repentance and worship. We're doing that with the same group of people we're trying to, to learn how to love. Uh, learning how to bear one another's burdens. So we don't just study the scripture or learn how to pray. We then apply it to how we care for one another. And it's the same group of people that we're trying to love our neighbors with. We're linking arms with saying, how can we in uh, word and deed, bring the gospel to bear in our neighborhood. Uh, a missional community uh, is a group of people committed to the process of learning to follow Jesus uh, in such a way that we see our cities made new. Uh, meaning, uh, for us, we think, man, if we really just go all in on trying to, to learn how to follow Jesus, uh, it's going to look like all three of these things. Yeah? Does that concept make sense? Uh, let's do a mental exercise. What if you do, if a community says, hey, you know what? We like doing, you know, the loving God part together. We like doing the loving one another part. This whole mission thing, I'm not so sure. You know? What do you get? What kind of community is that? So we... Want to grow in gospel enjoyment and community, but no, no mission. What ends up happening? Sorry? Yeah, inward. Yeah. Yeah. It's a click? Yeah. Yeah, it kind of becomes... Right. We kind of... Build ourselves a nice little bunker. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of stops existing. Yeah, once we all die off. But I mean, you can kind of procreate enough, keep it going, uh, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. One time, a, a lady said it's like a bunch of Labrador Labrador retrievers just kind of playing in the park, just yeah, jumping on each other, really happy. Like, uh, but that's kind of kind of where it ends. Yeah, it's really inward focused. 
Uh, what if the community says, you know what, let's do this mission part. Let's change the world. And let's really care for one another. But this whole gospel piece, or gospel formation, gospel enjoyment, I don't know. Bible's a little old-fashioned. Uh, I bet we are pretty smart. Let's move on from that, and let's just be community and mission. What do you get? Burnout. Burnout. <laughs> y'all, are all, y'all are ready for that one. Uh, what do you get? <laughs> yeah, yeah, social justice, I've heard about it. So, yeah, where you kind of say, hey, let's just, let's kind of legislate people to be really nice to one another. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, that's super general way of putting that issue, probably. But, yeah, yeah, what power do you have to bring to that community? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so right. Yeah. We, yeah. More Bonhoeffer. We, uh, yeah, we, we love the community and proselytize the community uh, more than the Christ of the community. Yeah. We, we, yeah, you might even have people around you saying like, oh, wow, I love those guys. They've made everything better. And, and we would propo- like kind of promote that as well. That was one of the ways we kind of found out we were doing things wrong when we were first starting in Portland. That some of our neighbors started saying, I really like Josh and Brad's religion. That was, we were the team uh, planting that church. And we're like, oh, I think we've messed up. Because people think we've created our own religion and they've, they've not heard about Jesus. So we had to repent and believe. Yeah, that's so good. Anything else on that? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, burnout. We become the, the heroes. What about, uh, hey, we like the gospel. We like learning how to enjoy God, uh, love him with our whole selves. We're going to be faithful. We're going to be obedient to whatever he says to do. We're also going to be on mission. We're going to you know, pattern our lives around what God has called us to do with the outsider. But man, these Christians are a whole wad of mess. You know, they have their problems, their issues, uh, they're weird, they're awkward, they just don't get it. They're keeping me uh, down from doing the real mission. I'm going on and on, but uh, let's not do that one. Let's not do community. Let's not love one another. I'm just going to do loving God, loving what do you get there? Yeah. 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 We have this TV show called Lone Ranger. Have you all heard of it? It was really big in the 60s and 70s. It was this guy who rode around on his horse uh, and saved the day all the time. Yeah. Uh, just kind of like a mercenary, right? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, superhero. It's on, honestly, it's, uh, and he's my favorite, but it's Iron Man. Right? Or maybe if you're into the other side, the DC comic world, Batman. What does Batman have for him? He's just like a loner who, like, has these... Like, he's just a rich loner. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And what's really wrong with this? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're doing it all. 
you're working with God, but yeah. Oh yeah, totally. This is how you get some strange, strange fire, or it's uh, how you get some really odd heresies. Yeah. bitter. And also, too, and these are the commands that the people of Israel had. So there's something about Jesus said, he repeats all the others. Uh, he kind of goes after the Sabbath a bit, right? But all the other commands, he basically holds up or makes more intense. You know, like, uh, don't cover your neighbor's wife becomes, don't even look at her in the wrong way. You've committed adultery. Uh, right? That's how they all go. Uh, if you even hate your brother, you've committed murder. But then, so he, he reinforces all of the, the other commands, but then he says, right before he goes to his death, there's one new command, it's that you love one another so that the world will know that you follow me. Yeah. Yeah, totally. How could you possibly love God and not his children? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so true. Yeah. And how are the people that you're, you know, supposedly you're going to be reaching all these people, how are they going to even know how to follow God? Uh, it's actually, it's one of the main ways that we've gotten really weird kind of offshoots of Christianity. That can be super bold is you have like one man or one woman who's going around just making disciples of them, right? You're, you're becoming fishers of men towards yourself, not towards like the body of Christ. Yeah. There's no misfit table. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. I, I, um, we can dork out later, but, but these, these three crossovers are actually the, the big, the three strands of all heresies. Through, through time, like through Christian history, uh, especially in regards to practice. So what we're saying uh, a missional community is, is one that's faithfully doing all three. Uh, so I, I'm one of those uh, strange people that just thinks that this is the best way to form and shape and disciple people is to uh, teach people to obey all of those commands. And uh, you might be thinking, well, what's a really good missional community or a community on mission? Or to use the really long form, uh, a gospel-centered community on mission. That's like my preferred, with so many words, and I'm already using a bunch. It's missional community. Uh, yeah, uh, a missional community successful and doing what it's supposed to do when you can look back and say, okay, we've actually grown in our love for God this, this year. Like I've seen, we've seen people repent and believe. We've seen people confess sin. Uh, we've seen people grow in our understanding of the scriptures. We've seen people pray. Like that's, that's the mark. Are we growing in those things? Uh, are we growing in our love for one another? Are we hearing each other stories? Are we sharing meals with one another? Are we carrying each other's burdens? Are we, are we taking steps towards that? Are we moving that direction? Are we moving towards our neighbors? Have we, have we begun to take steps where we're sacrificing ourselves and seeing and knowing those around us? Like, are we, are we proclaiming the gospel to people? Are we listening? Are we growing in like our ability to share, share misfit table kind of meals? Um, that's what a successful, uh, vibrant missional community is like, is one that's continually taking steps. Uh, a group of people committed to that process of learning how to follow Jesus in all three of these areas. Um, lastly, and then I don't know if we're, I've totally lost track of time, but um, one really big important thing uh, 
before we take a break. Um, this is a gospel-centered life. Uh, Jesus gives these commands. He says, but I'm going to be with you always. Um, also, he's the one that's lived this out. How did God, uh, Jesus loves God. He gives them his whole heart, mind, soul, strength. Like in the garden, uh, the night before his death, he's, he's praying, he's pleading, you know, if there's any other way, but your will be done. Uh, the writer of Hebrews says it was the joy set before him that he endured the cross. He delighted in the reality of, of God's mission. He submitted to the Father, was empowered by the Spirit in every part of his life. He loved God. Uh, he says, love one another. There's no greater love than one who lays down his life for his friends. He's talking to his friends that he's about to lay his life down for. Right? Like, he's, he's not talking, talking some abstract thing uh, about some, you know, warrior somewhere, like taking a bullet for his friends. He's talking about, no, tomorrow I'm going to lay down my life for the church. I'm laying my life down for the disciples. It's even embedded in his whole prayer in John 17. The story of the Good Samaritan is the story of Jesus. Uh, you were all walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Thrown into this world, walking through it, uh, beat up, broken down by the powers of this world, left for dead. Jesus comes to you, he sees you, he comes into your world, into your life. He interrupts all your rebellion. He touches you. He picks you up. He carries you. Uh, he takes you uh, holistically, and he says, whatever debt you've accrued, I pay it all. Right? The, the commands of Jesus, living them out, is a gospel-centered thing. You, to live this out is to faithfully uh, bring the gospel to bear in our whole society. So that's what, a, that's what a community is all about. Um, we're going to come back from uh, afternoon tea. It's time, right? Yeah. More or less. More or less. <laughs> uh, so yeah, let's take a, let's take a break for uh, afternoon tea. We'll come back, uh, talk about uh, specifically some of the stuff with mission, because I think we, that's one of our hardest things to do, is, is this circle, um, by God's grace. We're often really good at these two things. So I'm just going to talk about mission and then do a bunch of questions.